This morning I want to talk about finding hope in the storms of life and uh, it's good that we just celebrated communion because this is the only the introduction. The next slide I want to just give you this one thought is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ changes everything. And I, and I want to give you that as a biblical foundation this morning. I'm going to be uh, reading through a lot of scripture. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to Hebrews chapter 10. I will be reading um, from verses 14. We're going to try to cover the rest of the chapter. A lot of verses, but hang in here with me because I'll try to limit my comments uh, as much as I can and let God's, God's comments speak uh, the most. Look with me, first of all, in verses 14 to 18. It says, for, and I'm reading from the International Standard Version this morning, just because there's a few nuances there that I wanted to capture. It says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's what Bob talked about. We don't offer bulls or goats anymore. That single offering of Jesus on the cross has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 15, the Holy Spirit also assures us of this, for he said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. Verse 18. Now where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. Did you hear that verse? Where there is forgiveness, not covering the Old Testament, there was a covering for sin. There was a temporary covering. Once a year, the blood was poured out on the mercy seat. And there was a temporary covering, but it had to be repeated. And every day there was a burn offering and a sin offering and a thanks offering. There was just continual offerings. But when there's forgiveness of sins, not a covering, but a washing away, there's no longer a need for any offering for sin. So under this idea of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ changes everything, when we're in the storms of life, and I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'll raise mine. I'm in a storm of life right now. I'm in a storm of life unlike I've never known before. And when you're in that storm of life, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ changes your entire outlook on that storm. It changes the way you view the storm of your life. Every storm in life is being redeemed by God. Romans 8, 28 says, He's working all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose? In the first few verses in Hebrews, it's those who are sanctified, called to be sanctified. We're becoming like Him. We're becoming like Jesus. And so every storm in life, He is redeeming. Now, every storm in life doesn't come from God. Sometimes He allow storms to come. Sometimes the storms are just an attack of the enemy. But it doesn't matter whether the storm is an outward attack of the enemy or whether it's just because we're in a fallen world or whether it's a storm God is allowing us to go through. 
He's redeeming every storm in our life. Every storm in life is being clarified and understood through the word of God that he's given us and that he's written upon our hearts and our minds. So as we're abiding in the word of God, we begin to look at life in a different way. We begin to look at life through God's perspective. And so it changes, the sacrifice of Christ changes the way I view the difficulties that I face. And every mistake in life, and how many have made a mistake? <laughs> um, yeah, all of us. Every mistake in life is being forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and not by our own works or goodness. So isn't that a neat thing? We're in life and life is messy, isn't it? Life is pretty messy. And as we're muddling through life, we understand that God is redeeming everything in our life for his good purposes to make us more like Jesus Christ. And even when we make a mistake, he comes in. He's like the, the, the continually redeemer. He's redeeming everything, even our mistakes, and he's cleansing us. And when we cry out to him, Lord, forgive me, he says he's faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. I like that. Look at verses 19 and 21. This is just the introduction. I got three points coming, but just the introduction. I'm laying the foundation because you got to understand this. Once you grasp this, then the rest is, 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 is a cakewalk. Number two, Hebrews 10, 19 to 21. Therefore, my brothers, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus Christ the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the household of God. Now pause there for a moment with me. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, there was a great earthquake. And the veil of the temple was rent in two. And can you imagine the, the, the horror and the shock of of the priest when that happened. That veil wasn't, we don't have curtains in this building, but that veil wasn't a thin little thin curtain. You could not just rip that with your hands. It was the power of God that ripped that veil asunder and made a new and living way. And the new and living way is through the blood of Christ that now we're not kept from the presence of God. When Moses would go to the tabernacle out in the wilderness and he'd be there talking with God face to face, you know where everybody else was? They were out there in their tents. So you're the children of Israel right now. I'm Moses, I'm talking to God. You couldn't come into the presence of God. When Moses came from the mountain, after being in God's presence, they made him put a veil over his face because they could not understand or stand in the light of the glory of God that was shining off of Moses. But now, brothers and sisters, this is so cool. We're not kept from the presence of God anymore. We're not out in our tents looking from a distance. We're called into that presence through a new and living way. That's through his flesh, through the veil that was torn apart. So, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ changes our relationship with God during the storms of life. Now, the first thing is it changes our outlook on life during the storms. It changes now our relationship and how we relate to God during the storms of life. Before Jesus' sacrifice, 
It was the very holiness of God that kept us from his presence. We were in tents, out in the wilderness, away from the presence of God, and we couldn't approach it because of our sin. Prior to Jesus' sacrifice, we were kept distant from the very presence of God. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his person, because of his flesh, because of what he's done, the veil is ripped in two, and it's not Pastor Matt or any pastor or or minister of the gospel who has this access. It's you and I. And we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, right? There's really no titles. We're, we're all servants. If you want to be great, you've got to become a servant of all. So it's never the pastor or anyone else. It's the body. It's the children of God. We are the children of God. And now we've been invited into the throne room of God to climb up upon his lap, to look into his face, and to say, Abba, Father. Before I knew Jesus, when I was in church, I used to always feel guilty. Because I, you know, I, I, I believed in God and I believed in Jesus, but I always felt guilty. And so when I was worshiping, I would always worship with my head bowed down because I didn't feel I was worthy to worship the Lord. But since I've been redeemed, I can't hang my head down. I've got to lift my hands up because it's my father. It's my daddy. And it's not, I don't get to lift my hands up because of anything I've done. I get to lift my hands up because of what he's done. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ has changed the way I relate to God. And now it also changes the way he relates to us. He came to be our sacrifice for sin, but now Jesus stands at the right hand of God to be your advocate before the Father. The enemy comes and says, Yeah, Rachel, I tell you, you know, she really messed up this week. God, she really, she's not worthy. Jesus comes along and, and he says, Father, she stands clothed in my righteousness. And she is my daughter and your daughter. And Lord rebuke you, Satan. He stands as your advocate. He never gives up on you. He never stops interceding for you. Sometimes I get weary and I get tired. I stopped interceding for somebody. You know, I do it real good for a while. You know, oh Lord, what? And then after a while, I'm just, oh. life overtakes me and I stop praying. Jesus never stops praying. You know, the good thing about it is that all of his prayers are answered. And here's, listen to this, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. This is still the introduction. The three points are going to go fast. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The lie of the enemy 
is that you've messed up too much. Your life is such a wreck that you cannot go into God's presence. And I want to tell you, that's when you need to run into God's presence with all the boldness and confidence you have in Christ to find the grace and the mercy you need in your time of need. Boldly. We don't come through with our own credentials. I, I said this one time, I, I know this isn't really in the Bible, but just bear with me. It's an illustration that the Lord just showed me. It's like the, the veil of the temple was rent in two as he shed his blood, right? And the Bible says we enter in through the blood of Christ. We, we, we have to, though, the Bible says, that those who enter into the kingdom of God do so violently. There is a struggle to enter into the things of God, isn't there? Yes. You just don't sit back passively. You have, to, you have to pursue in faith. And it's like you have to push, you push through the veil. And, and as you do, you are washed in the blood of Christ. Because it's the blood of Christ that split that apart. And that's how you enter in every time, through the blood of Christ. You come in boldly through the blood of the Lamb. The throne of judgment, and how many know that the, the Ark of the Covenant was really an Ark of Judgment? And the seat upon it was the seat of mercy? Let me, let me, let me give you that, because after the Israelites rebelled, there were three things in that Ark that were always before God. There were the broken tablets, the broken tablets that Moses was given, it symbolized their rejection against the law of God. There was the rod that budded for Aaron that symbolized their rejection of the authority of God. And there was a pot of manna that they grumbled about time and time again that symbolized their rejection of the provision of God. And their sin was always before God until the blood was poured over the mercy seat and it was covered until the final sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All right. So the throne of judgment now has become forever the throne of mercy. And there is no more any handwriting on any document of any kind that stands against you and I in God's presence. In modern terms, he's wiped every hard drive clean. There's no thumb drive with anything on it. There's no email trace. There's no text that, that can be recovered of your sin. You stand completely cleansed. He didn't use bleach bit. It was cleansed with the blood of Christ. Some of, you, you, some of you got that, right? Three points, three exhortations for overcomers in the storms of life. The first one is, very simply, we need to come near. We need to come near. Hebrews 10, 22. Therefore, notice I love that in the scriptures. Whenever you get a word like therefore, you have to really, that's what I've done. I've laid the context for you. So now I can give you the tidbits, right? That you can take home. The sacrifice of Christ. 
all that he's done. Therefore, let us continue to come near with sincere hearts in the full assurance that faith provides because our hearts have been sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now, all this has been provided for us, but we need to access it. We need to come near. The storms of life actually should draw us closer to God. And for the believer who's walking in the Word, it does. The storms of life should draw us closer to God. They should remind us of what's really important. And really, if we can boil it down, what is really important? Faith, our faith in God, our walk with God, our life with God, and the people of God. Of course, our families. But God, faith, and family, that's really it, isn't it? How many die and take anything else with them? Yeah. You don't take anything with you. But you'll meet your family. You'll meet your God. Because you walked in faith. And all this other stuff is just stuff. And when we're going through the storms of life, it reminds us. What did they do when Paul was being shipwrecked? They were, life was threatened. What did they start throwing their cargo off? Because why? Nothing is as important as life. And so you're going to get rid of all the extra stuff. And the storms of life remind you, maybe I'm letting stuff come in between me and God. And maybe I need to rearrange my priorities. I need to come near. And we need to come near boldly, without condemnation. Listen, the best thing you can do is just agree with the enemy. Don't, I'm not whacked on this. Listen to me. The enemy comes, he says, you're not worthy to go in God's presence. You're a sinner. How He won't accept you. Say, no, you're right, Satan. I'm not worthy. And, I, and I'm a broken down mess, but I want to tell you one thing. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm clothed in his righteousness, and I'm coming in. It doesn't matter. You're right, but you're wrong. Totally right, but you're totally wrong. And I'm running in. Because I know my dad's not going to say no. I know when I run in and I'm in my time of need and I'm going through the storm of life, I know daddy's not going to say no. No, no, you, oh my gosh, again? He never, he never upbraids. He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask for God. never upbraids those who come to him. O come, it says in Psalm 95, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, don't harden your heart, as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Listen to His voice. Come near. I got a stupid cat. My stupid cat's name is Rounder. And Rounder is, is, is a stupid cat. I love him. I'm his father. And every day 
is a new day for Rounder. It's if he's never done the wrong things that he did the day before. He's always got to try to escape. He's always got to try to sneak in somewhere. And he always does the same thing. He get up. If you open the slider, boom, he shoots out into the courtyard as if like I made it. But I always welcome him in because I love him. We're like rounder a lot of times. God always welcomes us in because he loves us. Number two, told you the points go fast. Let us continue in hope. Let us continue in hope. For the first one, let us continue to come near, but also let us continue to hope. Some of you, maybe your hope is about drained out. It's like when I was a kid, I used to do that aggravating thing where you blow up the balloon and then you let it go. Right? My mom would say, stop doing that, Kirk. And then I would blow it up and I'd go. Yeah, Kenny knows what I'm talking about. Stop doing that, Kirk. Some of us are that balloon, maybe this morning, and we're on that last pass of, you know, we're, we're about there. We got to continue to hope. Verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us continue to hold firmly, hold firmly to the hope that we confess without wavering. For the one who made the promise is faithful. So as we draw near to God in a full assurance that faith provides, he renews our hope. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we continue to walk in faith, he continues to walk. I mean, we continue to have renewed hope. I started thinking Barney Fife right there (laughs) because of you this morning. When we continue to walk in faith, he continues to renew our hope. Yeah, those pre-service conversations can be dangerous. (laughs) Hope is the, listen to this, hope is the expectation. That's what hope is. Hope is not now, hope is future. Hope has to do with future, faith has to do with now. We believe and so we hope. And our hope is an expectation for Three things, a better tomorrow. I'm hoping for a better tomorrow. How about you? Hoping for the fulfillment of God's promises. I read all the promises of God in His Word. I'm hoping for those to become real and and alive in my life. And there are some that have and there are some that I'm still hoping for. There's a blessed hope of Jesus' return. There's the hope of our eternal kingdom that Bob talked about. There's the hope, you know, of, of just being reunited with those that we love. My mom and dad aren't here anymore. And one day I will see them again. There's that hope we have. So it's hope of a better tomorrow. The hope of the fulfillment of God's promises and the hope of the coming kingdom. Whenever I watch the news today, I watch it with hope. Because I know the answer is not going to be in who's president, 
who's in Congress, who's in the House, who's sitting as the chairman of the, the um, United Nations or, or anything. It's in Jesus. Romans 5, 1 to 5 says, We've been justified by faith, so let's have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access. Notice the whole term, those, everything we've talked about. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now access by faith into what? Into this grace in which we stand. And that's into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, where we receive grace and mercy in time of need. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All the things that are not fulfilled, we are hoping for and believing God for because He's promised them and what He promises He will do. You with me? And it says, and not only that, but we glory in tribulation. Oh, wow. I don't like that part. But we get excited to some degree about the storms of life because we don't view them in the same way anymore. They are not going to destroy us. They are going to purify us. They are going to direct us. They are going to correct us. They are going to mature us. They are going to strengthen us. They are going to make us overcomers. The storms of life are. And we glory in those tribulations because we know that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character hope. And that's what we're talking about. Now this kind of hope, the hope that comes through walking with God by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and all that it means, that kind of faith produces a hope that never disappoints us because the love of God has been and is being poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. I, uh, I got an email from the city of Weatherford and all of a sudden it said, you have a leak in your home. We just want to notify you. Uh, I go, how do they know I have a leak in my home? No, Claremont. Claremont. Do what I say? Okay. Yeah, I was just in Weatherford last weekend. You know, well, I'm not a full year here in Claremont, so it's not used to. Thank you, dear, for correcting me. You're like the Holy Spirit. Anyway, um, so, so, so we, so Claremont, City of Claremont. So I go, City of Claremont says I have a leak. So I was kind of like freaking out a little bit. So I looked everywhere. I, I went all around the house. I couldn't find a leak. I said, I guess I just have to ignore it. And so then I kind of noticed that my pond was really full, but it had rained. And so when it rains in our courtyard, my pond fills up. It's about a 500-gallon pond. And uh, so, you know, it has quite a bit of water in it. And so it, but it kept, it kept staying really full. And then I, I lifted up the lid several days later because I didn't think I had a leak. And I saw this little stream of water and I remembered the way it's plumbed. I, I, off my faucet, I have two of these little switches. One turns the water to the hose. The other one turns the water into the pond. And somehow, someone in our home, I, I don't know who, um, <laughs> could be me, could be her. But anyway, had left this wrong switch the wrong way and it was filling up the pond. And uh, there was a leak. Well, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that there's always an ongoing flow and leak from God's throne into our lives when we need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He, I had to turn that off because it cost me another $40.
But God never turns off the outpouring of His Holy Spirit and His love that's shed abroad in your hearts as you're going through the storms of life. That's how you survive. And that's how you have a renewed hope. Do you see that? It's like he, he, he takes that balloon right before it's ready to go out and he goes, let's go again. And he never lets it run out. Sometimes it gets a little low, but he never lets it run out. Because all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22, in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. Now he established, he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So if you ever doubt God's presence in your life, you need to remember that the deposit of his spirit in you is your guarantee. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is within you is the guarantee that He's guiding you through everything in your life. And it never leaves. He never leaves. The Holy Spirit never leaves. Last point. We need to consider one another. We need to consider one another. Now, Pastor Matt has spoken on this in his series, We Are. And I just want to emphasize this to you. Verses 24 and 25. Therefore, let us continue to consider how to motivate one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another even more as you see the day of the Lord coming near. I thought about this and I, and I, came, up, I came up with this thought. The church doesn't need me. I need the church. Well, the church needs volunteers, and the church needs this, and the church... Yeah, that's all true, but really, I need the church. I need the body of Christ. Jesus died, really, for His church. People who say, well, I don't really need the church, I just, me and Jesus, me and Jesus on the golf course, me and Jesus on the lake, me and Jesus, there's no mountains here, so... Me and Jesus on, on, the, on the bike trail. There's a lot of bikes here, right, in Claremont and, and Estatula. Me and Jesus up, what's the name of that peak? Sugar Mountain. Sugar Mountain, you know that that is like the third highest point in Florida. It's 310 feet above sea level. The highest point, I, I have to look where that is again, it's 350 feet above sea level. We have one of the highest points in Florida here. How many of you didn't know that this morning? Bonus! Yeah, that's a bonus. I'm going to charge you for that one. So I, I need the church. You know, I need the church. And, and I need it so much. The church really doesn't need me. And Jesus died for his church. I mean, I love that Acts 20, 28 says, the church, he purchased his own blood. So people say, I don't really need the church. Just me and my bike, me and the lake, me and, me and the beach, whatever it is. They're, they're, they're not realizing that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we talk about the blood of Christ, in Acts 20, 28 says, I make you by the Holy Spirit to be overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This thing, not this building, but this thing we call the ecclesia, the called out ones of God, the church, it cost Jesus everything. He didn't die just so we could go to heaven. If he did, why are we here? Just go to Disney. 
You're going to heaven. You said the sinner's prayer. You don't need to be here. But we do need to be here because we need each other. And we need to continue to consider one another. It's only in our life of commitment to one another that we experience the continual outpouring of God's grace in our lives as we await for our blessed hope. How many have seen the movie Titanic? Yeah, most of us, right? And in that last scene, I know this, this scene lacks a little bit here, but I just thought of it this morning. First of all, when we talked about continuing to hope, it says, hold on to the hope, hold on to the hope. I thought, well, I fly a lot. I'm up in Southwest. And Southwest doesn't fly over a lot of bodies of water, right? So I never worried about it when they say, and there's a flotation vest under your seat and put it over your vest in case of a water landing, rip on this cord, and if the cord doesn't work, then blow in the tube. <laughs> yeah, at that time, if the cord didn't work, I don't know how much <laughs> I would have left. So, you know, I'm thinking about it. So I got, you know, I'm thinking, if I had that vest on, folk, and, that, and I always sit on the wing, so I'm supposed to help people out. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I, I would have integrity to do that. But um, if I lacked integrity at the moment and just flew out myself and I was in the water, there's one thing I'm not letting go of. I'm not letting go of that flotation device. Right? If you're out on a boat and you've got, um, you don't know how to swim and the boat goes over and someone throws you one of those flotation cushions, you're not going to let go of that. Don't let go of your hope. But also as you're in there, with other people, you need encouragement because you, you can start getting ready to give up. And there are people all around us all the time. And it could be us today. It could be you tomorrow. Right. And we need to encourage one another. Don't give up. And I, I, that last scene when the young guy, forget the characters because I really don't remember the movie that well. But there's the woman who survived, of course. He's on there and he's, he's just losing his grip. And he just says, hold on, live, don't give up. Even when we're leaving this life, we need to be encouraging those around us to hold on, to not give up. Sometimes just an encouraging word. Karen and I went over to new friends that we have in our neighborhood. And they're dear Christian friends that we've just met. And there's just a kindred heart between us. And we were sharing with them some of the struggles that we're going with, they asked us about what's going on with our daughter. We're sharing with them about our current journey. And, 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 and they're good Baptist folk, love them. They're, they just grew up Baptists. And so he said, let's pray right now. We got in a circle and we all put arms around each other and he starts praying and man, I tell you, he got Pentecostal. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was at a Pentecostal church and, and the wife said, I never heard you pray like that. Because he was just rebuking the enemy. I mean, he was like in it. He said, I feel the presence of God. You know? And his wife goes, okay. You know, she got a little bit scared. But what a wonderful thing to know that in the midst of our struggle, God has sent his family to encircle around us. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read verses 26 to 31. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm not going to make any more comments. I'm just going to read two more sections of Scripture, then we'll close. If we don't place our faith, hope, and love 
that's found in Christ, if we're not encouraging that, growing in that in his church, if we're not, if we're not really coming near, if we're not, if we're not continuing to hope, there is no other place to go. Listen, that's what it says. It says, verse 26, if we choose to go on sinning, after we've learned the full truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That doesn't mean Jesus will never forgive us. It means that if we don't look to Jesus, there's nothing else. It goes on. Only a terrifying prospect of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who violates the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe a punishment do you think that person deserves who tramples on God's Son, treats as common the blood of the covenant by which it is sanctified, and insults the Spirit of grace? And let me tell you, that's some pretty heavy-duty rejection of the Son. Verse 30, For we know the one who said, Vengeance belongs to me. I will pay them back, and again the Lord will judge his people. Oh, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That was the great text of the sermon by Jonathan Edwards as he preached that powerful sermon. And when he preached it, he would preach monotone. That was what was said about Jonathan Edwards. He would come to the pulpit with his glasses and his Bible and his notes, and he would read his entire sermon. And it was all in a monotone delivery. But when he read that scripture and when he preached that message, it's a terrible thing to fall, terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It says people were crying out in the church. They were holding onto the pillars and onto the chairs and onto each other crying, what should we do? And there was a massive turning of hearts to Christ that day. But here's the final exhortation. That is the exhortation to remember there's nothing other than Jesus that will see us through the storm of life. Alcohol will not see it. Success won't, won't get us through the storms of life. Money. Friends. Just with their advice. It will be like Rehoboam taking advice from the young men and not from the wise men who had ministered with his father Solomon. If we lean on our friends and not on Jesus. If we lean on our friends with Jesus, it's a different story. You hear what I'm saying? But here's the final exhortation, and I love this. Verse 35, so don't lose your confidence. This morning, don't lose your hope. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. It's a gift to you from God. Hope is a gift to you from God by faith in Christ's completed sacrifice. And it gives you the hope of a better day tomorrow the hope of God's fulfilled promises, and of hope of His coming kingdom. Don't lose your confidence since it holds a great reward for you. Verse 36, For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you can receive what He had promised. Verse 37, For in a very little while, the one who is coming will return, and he will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he turns back, my soul will take no pleasure in him. Verse 39. Now we do not belong to those who turn back. Did you hear that? 
Now we do not belong to those who turn back, but we belong to those who have faith and are saved. That's who you are. You're not a quitter. You're not a, a sinner under the judgment of God. You're not hopeless. You're not without an intercessor always at the right hand of the Father. You're not without a family and faith who will stand with you and walk through you, with you through everything in your life. You have everything in Christ. So brothers and sisters, whatever the storm is this morning, don't lose your confidence. Whatever you're praying for and believing God for, it may seem like it may never happen. It may never happen. Oh, you hoped and you, you thought it was going to happen that day and then, and then it didn't happen and your, your hopes were crushed and, and you went through just such grief and you, and you wept before God. Don't, 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 don't do that. Place your trust not in the circumstances, but in the one who holds all the circumstances in his hand. And don't lose your confidence because he will see you through.